Hi everyone, this is Julia, and murder is bad. So let's not talk about it today. rather upsetting, only consuming true crime. And for every episode I put out, I've researched probably four or five. And at times it can be taxing because I'm also consuming true crime through other podcasts, as I'm sure you are. And this week I just needed a palate cleanser. So if you're looking for Moida, you ain't gonna find it here, kid. What you will find is a lovely compilation of one of my other uh, favorite pet passions, which is random things from the 90s that most people have forgotten about. Uh, So yeah, if that sounds interesting to you, then stick around. If not, I'll see you next week. All right, here we go. We all know what Flintstones vitamins are. Flintstones, problematic children's programming, vitamins, problematic health supplement. But let's back it up a little bit. When the Flintstones aired, it actually took the 8.30 to 9 p.m. slot on ABC. It was supposed to be like a Stone Age honeymooners uh, for adults, but... It actually turned out to be very popular with teens, so it kind of had this effect on children's programming where they moved away from live action programming like puppets and things like that and towards more animated things. The Flintstones moved into syndication in 1966 and then Miles Laboratory, which is in Elkhart, Indiana, or was, uh, acquired the branding to make these Flintstones vitamins, which came on the market, I think, in 1969. Some places says 1968. So that kind of sets the stage. Now, Miles Laboratory actually was acquired by the German company Bayer in 1979. And we see the commercialization. You guys know the jingle probably. It was written by, oh gosh, Martin O'Donnell, who also did the music for Halo. Just interesting little tidbit. But here's the jingle. Flintstones, with the vitamins and minerals kids need and the taste they love. Now that's what I call complete. And And so you would think the Flintstones vitamins would contain all the main characters, wouldn't you? Well, you'd be wrong because there was a very important character missing. Uh, pardon me, uh, uh, uh... The name is Betty, your wife. Oh, you must remember. You know, with the meals, washing, keeping the house clean. Think hard, it'll come to you. Oh, Betty. There, I told you you'd remember. Oh, cut it out, Betty, and... Uh... That's right. 
there was no Betty. And Miles Laboratory did get a few complaints over the years, but by the time this quote-unquote controversy peaked, Miles had been absorbed by Bear. So the whole thing that kind of reinvigorated this mystery is that Rosie O'Donnell played Betty Rubble in the live-action Flintstones in 1994. She starred opposite Rick Moranis of Little Shop of Horrors fame, I think a Ghostbusters movies, Keymaster kind of thing, and a DVD that I watched in my room several times, My Blue Heaven. Anyways, the Flintstones movies comes out. Rosie O'Donnell does an interview with Connie Chung on this news magazine program called Eye to Eye and tells Connie, there's no Betty Vitamin. This causes Spy Magazine to do an article about it. Then something called the Betty Club in Grants Pass, Oregon gets all in a hubbub about it. And even an Atlanta, Georgia band forms called Betty's Not a Vitamin. Pace Magazine called it one of the top 100 band names. A Bear spokeswoman, Karen Lazan, said, This public outcry has made us rethink the original decision. If America wants her, we'll put Betty in a bottle. Which, when you put it that way, doesn't sound like a good thing. Also, in some articles, they were talking about, like, now you can bite Betty. Like, oh, gosh. So, the whole reason for Betty not being there is kind of vague. But I think the real reason is that she was too similar, once you shrunk them down to vitamin size, to Wilma. And Bear was like, kids like different shapes. Also, something comes out about they tried to make a Betty, but her waist was just too small. The vitamin kept breaking in half. Well, I think that's a problem with her waist size. I'm just saying, maybe cartoon characters shouldn't be created to have a non-existent waist, but that's a different conversation. But before they just go putting Betty in a bottle, marketing happens. They put up some regional voting booths and shopping malls and put out a 1-800 number for people to call and vote if they wanted Betty to be a vitamin. There was like 20,000 votes between those two things and 91% were in favor. What is the 9% doing? What is up with you? Who are you? But Betty finally gets to be a vitamin, January 1st, 1996. I've never seen him so excited about something that you couldn't spread mayonnaise on. <laughs> and of course, they don't skip a beat when it comes to, oh, but you know, we have a bunch of bottles that don't have Betty. You know what they do? They come up with a campaign of a find Betty. So some bottles have Betty and some bottles don't. Smart. Super smart. Moneymakers. They've done this before. But if we're talking about Rosie O'Donnell, we have to talk about something that happened at the end of the 90s. Because Rosie O'Donnell was in a tribute video 
to David Duchovny for his birthday. Now, in 1999, a musician named Bree Sharp recorded a song titled David Duchovny, Why Won't You Love Me? Around this same time, David Duchovny's friend Joe Blake was working on a mockumentary about country music and was going through hours and hours and eons of music and found this David Duchovny song and sent it to him. And David Duchovny really liked it. Not in an egotistical way, or maybe he did, like, you deserve that, but he thought it was really catchy, and he would listen to it, he ended up memorizing it, and in this Reddit AMA, he actually said he got caught singing along to this song while his windows were down, and he kind of just sped away. (laughs) So, the song is out there, and a couple different versions of this story come out, uh, in one version, Jillian Anderson kind of spearheads making a video for David. Jillian Anderson, his co-star in X-Files, you know, Scully and Mulder. Uh, and another version says that the creator of the show, Chris Carter, David showed it to him and then it was his idea. Or maybe it was a combination of both. But they were going to make him this video using this song uh, and they wanted to give it to him as a present. They got permission from Bree Sharp and had two writer's assistants just go around the film lot of X-Files and, you know, other stuff is filming there too, Century Fox, I think, and just ask people if they wanted to be in this video. A quote from David Coveney said, they went out and whoever they got, they just said, we're doing this as a present for David. Will you do it? And whoever did it, did it. So they got a bunch of people, okay? They were like, on the set of Frasier, there was David Spade, Janine Garofalo, and even Brad Pitt dressed as Tyler Durden on the site of Fight Club. David Duchovny said, being that they got some good people, my great friend Gary Shandling is in it with Kevin Nealon and people that I'm very close to, as well as people I didn't know and never met and people that I've worked with like Brad. So a little while after the video is made and given to David Duchovny at Christmas time, he loves it, obviously. He's walking down the streets of New York and a woman comes running up to him and is like, I'm Bree Sharp. And he's like, oh my gosh, I love that music that you made. I'm so flattered. And they kind of stay in touch. And in 2015, uh, David Duchovny is releasing a book, Holy Cow, and Bree just happens to text him or call him around that time. And he's just like, oh, you know what? Why don't you come to a reading I'm doing for Holy Cow and sing this David Duchovny song? And she was like, yeah, sure. 
So then that happens. Bree says, the whole point of this video is that it's so random and so funny. That's why I think it sort of has this like underground status now because it's completely bizarre and makes no sense. It's pop culture in action. Do you know who else is in this video? There's a part of the song that says, I'm gonna kill Scully. Who lip syncs that? Sarah Michelle Gellar on the set of Buffy holding a stake in the library saying, I'm gonna kill Scully. Which brings us to my last little tangent, which I remember reading from an unauthorized watcher's guide I got from Barnes and Noble about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There was a story and Sarah Michelle Gellar actually has recently talked about this same story. So let me stop being cryptic and just tell you. She was a five-year-old girl who got cast in a Burger King commercial. In the commercial, she mentions McDonald's. And this leads to McDonald's suing the advertising agency, Burger King, and naming five-year-old Sarah Michelle Geller in the lawsuit. I look 20% smaller to you. I must to McDonald's. When I order a regular burger at McDonald's, they make it with 20% less meat than Burger King. Unbelievable. In a YouTube video from BuzzFeed UK, Sarah Michelle Geller says that all she kind of remembers about that time is that she wasn't eating a lot of fast food and she was so excited because her mom said she could have a burger when she was on the set. Quote, and what I learned on that day is that when they make the burgers for commercials, they glue each seed on it to make it look all perfect and beautiful and then they shellac it and they paint it. You guys. TV is not real. I love Sarah Michelle Gellar. She also said that while the lawsuit was going on, she wasn't allowed to go to McDonald's. It wasn't like a ban, but just, you know, outward facing publicity. And at that time, a bunch of kids are having their birthday parties at McDonald's. So she missed out on a lot of apple pies. But after the lawsuit, turns out now you're allowed to say, your competitor's name. So when you see a side-by-side -side comparison, that's all because Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That has been my random 90s rant. I hope you enjoyed it. I will get back to true crime next episode. I just needed a bit of a breather and I hope you enjoyed it too. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to the 90s. Thank you to David Duchovny and Rosie O'Donnell and Sarah Michelle Gellar. And just thanks to the universe for making weird history a thing people like to revisit. If you'd like to see images related to this episode, you can go over to the Instagram at murderisbadpodcast. Feel free to comment, strike up a conversation, if you want to send me a DM about a case you're interested in, or if you just want to say hello, I would love that. If you're feeling generous, 
why don't you hit the five-star rating on the app you're listening to? You could even leave a little nice review. That would be lovely. I would appreciate it. What I appreciate the most, though, is you listening and sharing with someone who you think might enjoy this. So take care of each other, and remember, murder is bad. And sometimes we need a break from it.